0: Welcome back to another edition of the Wits Up podcast. It is fantastic to see all of your friendly faces. Uh, I am fresh off. Well, last night I finally got around to watching Rising Phoenix on Netflix and so many people recommend it to me and so therefore that is what I'm doing right here, right now. I am recommending that you watch the Rising Phoenix documentary. Uh, It's a doco that was actually uh, released across the world uh, to coincide with the one year to go celebrations for the Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games. Uh, It features, I think it was nine different Paralympians from across the globe. Uh, And it's just a really interesting insight. Highly recommend, get onto it. Uh, Good wind trainer material, that is for sure. So I've just watched that one. uh, And prior to that, this won't surprise any of our listeners but I watched the 5 or 6 part doco series uh called Gone in the Dark which is all about uh Michelle McNamara who she was a true crime writer and her quest to find out who the Golden State killer was so it's it's a really interesting um de- documentary series not so much about the actual Golden State Killer, but about Michelle's quest to uncover the truth. Uh, so it's a really interesting angle. I've read her book. I've been fascinated by this essentially, well, a bunch of cold cases from many years ago and over a long period of time as well. So if you are into true crime, I highly recommend checking that out. It's on a whole bunch of different platforms that does like wherever you are. I think it's HBO in the States or in North North America and here in Australia. I managed to find it on Foxtel, if that helps at all. Highly recommend it. Uh, okay. Didn't know that I'd be starting off this podcast with recommendations, but here's the third recommendation. Listen to my chat with the very lovely Mel McQuaid. Hi, I'm Leslie,
1: and I've been a WitsUp patron since it launched. I signed up because I've been a fan and
2: followed of WitsUp for the past five or so years. And I know just how hard the Wits Up team work
0: to bring us such great content. So to me, this was a great way to give back and help keep Wits Up going in the future. My favourite thing from What's Up is the podcasts. Steph has a great knack for putting athletes completely at ease and really pulling out their personalities. Something that not every podcast host manages to do. So if, like me, you really enjoy the podcasts, articles, features everything else that Wits Up has to offer, then I encourage you to join me and sign up to be a patron member. You can do this by going to patreon.com slash WitsUp or click the link in the show notes. Mel McQuaid, welcome to the Wits Up podcast. Wow, this is so exciting for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you are one of those people who I feel like I know. You feel like like an old friend. Like you just there's something very comforting about you. I feel like I know you really well whenever I talk to you, but I actually don't think that we've met that many times in person.
2: No, I think the only time we hung out was when I was doing the the bunch rides when I hung out in Melbourne that one. I think it was in 2014. I was there. So, we hung out for a bit there.
0: Yeah. Maybe we're just
2: fast friends and so therefore It's like we're like old old mates because we have like a previous life connection.
0: Maybe do you believe in all that kind of stuff? I don't know.
2: Like, there's there's like a a, I think the First Nations their their religion sort of says that I I think the overarching principle is that we are all connected, and so they Uh they share this idea that because we all breathe the same air, at some point we kind of. We, we took in the same air and we eat food from the earth and because everything's sort of recycled and shared that in some way on a, like an atomic level
1: um, yeah.
2: humans are connected to each other from the past and so there's that sort of concept so maybe at some point there was like a connection between like a lettuce leaf and some air in the past I. Don't <laughs> I don't know, maybe, but certainly, maybe. like I, I believe in that. Like, you feel like you've been somewhere before. Like, I definitely yeah. felt that. Like, I was like, oh, that that idea of deja vu. Like, that wasn't just. Did I black out at a after drinking too much wine? <laughs> sort of deja vu. <laughs> so, I do believe uh, in that.
0: What does it? So, because I get, I reckon monthly, I get deja vu um and very strong like word for word having a conversation with someone deja vu and i just it's i reckon it's one of the trippiest things ever
2: yeah but you got to be careful that it's not just you're super tired because like you've been up all night as a mom and you just forgot that something happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we have to be careful that we don't mix the two up because i know that i definitely have like gaps in my
1: brain function where something
2: slipped my mind as they say and all of a sudden like pop back in it which was just basically me forgetting something that happened so there's that too <laughs> who, who
0: who do you think you would have been in a previous life if we're uh talking about th- that kind of thing at the moment
2: oh my gosh I don't know I've never really thought about that I don't either
0: until now <laughs>
2: Yeah, I don't I would actually have to put some serious thought into that. Like, what, what do I feel like my like, maybe it would be something that you know, you feel like you're really competent or confident in because you've mm-hmm. been through it before, you know, so that's kind of what I'd be looking at is like, what do I feel like I have the most competence in? What do I have the least? And so, you know, I've probably lived the competence the most and the the incompetence yeah. the least. So no, that would that would probably require list making and long thinking.
0: Okay, <laughs> we've got an hour, so I'll I'll let you think about it over the next hour and come back to me at the end of this episode. Sound good? <laughs> well, let's see if I can multitask like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of multitasking, when I when I first called you before we hit record, um, I feel like you had about seven computers open with fifty tabs open on each computer. I I believe I'm just putting that out there that you would be a genius at multitasking. Would I be correct?
1: Oh,
2: gee, I don't know, if genius, like like an expert juggler, maybe. <laughs> There's <laughs> nothing like, like that. I I not I'm definitely not a genius, but I I certainly like try to do too many things at once. That is absolutely a good description of me.
0: <laughs> well, and and I think your career sort of suggests that as well. Being a champion uh at Xterra. Um, on-road racing as well, uh, coaching, all of the things you have been pretty successful at. Five world championships, is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a good ride so far and counting.
0: Oh, I like that so far. (laughs) Ooh, Well, and, and please don't think that I'm being rude, but you are 47, is that right? 47
2: years old, yeah, yeah, for sure yeah all
0: you, <laughs> that, that's that's really impressive 47 and with no signs of uh i don't know ever slowing down really
2: yeah not so far not so far i mean i think that uh i'll be honest like i'm i, I think a lot of people look at pro athletes that keep racing and go like in their and their initial thoughts are, are potentially like not as kind. Like why doesn't she move on? You know, like and I I get that. Like I can see where where they're coming from. And um the and the only answer I could I could offer to somebody like that is that I'll I'll definitely step away from the sport when I'm not improving.
1: Right? And if mm, I if yeah. I
2: actually saw that, you know I I mean, I, I, I've been excited to be part of what I consider a renaissance in the women's field where the depth of talent has exploded. Like anybody who who raced last year would, would, would be able to tell you like, it's incredible how tight the, the women's race is getting and, and how, um, how, how like the field itself is, is rising to a whole new level. And it's, it's exciting to me to still be part of that renaissance and improvement. And so if I was just being left behind, you know, like I'm not in the, I'm not in the field anymore. I like, you're not making any money. They're way ahead of you. It's over. You know, like yeah. that. If that were the case, like then, I, like I'm a I'm a very realistic and pragmatic person. Anybody that's met me knows, like I'm very blunt and I'm honest, and I am the same with myself. It's not like I live in some kind of la la land of not reality. Um, mm-hmm. And if if that were the case, then that it it just wouldn't be it, it wouldn't be motivating for me because my entire career has been um, my process is on self improvement. So. If if I were not getting better, then certainly I would quit. But I I can say unequivocally that I am getting better. So and I can wow. prove scientifically with data that I'm getting better. And so if anybody wants to come at me, I'll prepare a dissertation on why I'm still racing at 47. Um, but but couched with the with that I'm also realistic right and and i think that one of the things that's the toughest to to be 47 years old and still racing is that in women's racing um, the 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 amount of sponsorship that's available is not enough even for up and coming young talent right there's just not enough mm. support out there so what is a, a sponsor like thinking when they're when they have like a small amount of dollars generally they're looking for a younger athlete that they can have a long relationship with and and you know build their brand with so so when you're 47 and you've been dropped by a sponsor because you got too old or like you didn't have a good season or whatever it's pretty hard to like convince them that yeah you know my best years are ahead of me (laughs) Mm. even if that were the case right even if i were actually i could actually go to a sponsor and say hey look actually 2020 yeah. I have some numbers that I've never seen before in my life so that if I if I could have said that to somebody at 45 I'd be like I'm just a spring chicken I'm gonna have like years ahead of me you know but, <laughs> but this discussion doesn't happen because there's a uh, you know people just don't think that in fact I think that there's it's I know that when I was approaching 40 40 ha- was like the you know the graveyard of professional careers as soon as you got to 40, forget it. like an enzyme is being released in your body you're done, right like you're just completely done and, and so yeah. I, it was actually really hard for me when I was 39 and going pretty fast because I thought I had to get it all done by the time I was 40 and it wow. was I was really weird that season because it was I personally also had that mindset. And, and living through that, that's, that's one thing that like, I coach some athletes that are in their mid thirties and I'm like, please do not do this to yourself. Like, please do not think that way. Don't let society tell you these things. Um, and, and just like listen to your own body and your, and, and know where you're at because I, that was, that was tough for me. But yeah, so like, if we go back to the reality of the whole thing, um, sponsorship for women is very often, like, I, I think that we have really, really talented women that that deserve every bit of sponsorship they get. Um, but I think sometimes there's and I, I want to say this the right way, I, I'm not, I, I think that it would be better if more of the sponsorship was based on what a, a woman athlete brings to the brand, mm-hmm. and less about how she looks, you know, and what like what, Mm -hmm. like so so instead of it just having to be a 20 year old model that model instagram model that that promotes a brand which is what society kind of wants to see it's not that it's right or wrong it's just kind of the truth Mm -hmm. um and instead have it be truly based on the merit of the athlete or like what that athlete brings because i always thought you know all of us ladies that are in our 40s should probably be the faces of everything because mm. really, if you looked at where the majority of the Ironman field is, those ladies are our ladies, right? They're not generally in their 20s. That's probably one of the weakest age groups in Ironman. Maybe not in ITU. So obviously, like for ITU, yeah. the ITU athletes very much represent that. But, you know, I think that probably 40 to 50 is maybe like the biggest age group. I don't know. It is for men. So um I don't know. You know, it's like I just think that. Kind of like when I think um, Elaine from Seinfeld like did this hilarious get huh. where she was talking about how her last I am going to use a bad word unfuckable
0: year, yes. you know? Yes, it was kind of like the same for like. <laughs> Wait, that was the skip with um Amy Schumer, Tina yes. Fey, yes. Ah oh, Julia I Louis Dreyfus, so good. I,
2: I couldn't relate to that more in terms of mm. like you know I am unsponsorable. I when I am right in the like the key demographic for Ironman but I've suddenly become unsponsorable because I'm 40 right and this is like to be be true like I have to like send a shout out to like Shimano. Shimano was one of the sponsors that like basically I've been with Shimano for like 20 years right they were just like yeah you're you're with us and that has been like so there are some sponsors that I've had forever and some come and go because you know budgets change and directions change like I have no hard feelings for sponsors that didn't want to work with me anymore but certainly like there is definitely an element to um, being a professional female athlete that's related to your youth and like looks that sort of determine whether or not you should be in an ad, maybe. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. There's a bit of that. Right. So, so, and that so now if we're going to circle all the way back to my big tangent here, which is like, you know, I'm just sort of like trying to prop up my other ladies in their forties saying that you guys are awesome and relevant and this stuff is BS that, yeah. you know, I race for me because I'm learning as a coach. Um, I really still love it. I'm motivated to do that training and find out what I can do. Um, but I also like coach a squad, right? Like that's really my racing at the end of the day is to set a good example for the squad. Learn as much as I can about Ironman while I can, and I think I learn a lot by remaining in the sport as long as I can. Because, like I said, I'm right in that. Each category of this is the reality of being forty-seven and wanting to go to Kona, right? It's good mm. to live these sort of experiences, um, and and it's just a, a nice way for me to be connected to what is happening um, in Ironman in reality, so that I know, you know, what the races are like, what the what the organization is like, what getting to Kona is going to be like. All of that stuff just makes me a better coach. So i'm not in complete delusion like i call myself a pro athlete i probably made enough money and prize money last year to have eked out a a meager living last year like i did all right Mm um i had a second i had a couple of fourths um a second at wisconsin fourth in arizona fourth in cord lane um well i was like ninth at ironman canada um and I think I had one other result. I can't remember what it was. No, I think I – oh, I was second at X Terra Victoria. So, like, the, the, those are all, like – every race I went to, I got prize money. So, there's that. Um, yeah. Some of it was more than others. Um, But really, like, you know, I, I'm building a coaching business. I'm not – like, I'm not as much a professional athlete as I once was.
0: Yeah. I, I find it interesting that even you, uh, when you were 39 – that that year you actually sticks out in your mind as uh a year of potential changes and 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 endings because society mm-hmm. had even got into your head that at the age of 40 it was pretty much game over. Look, I find mm-hmm. that really interesting. Um that it, that it almost took you by surprise as well that no it's not over when you're 40.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it it was almost like a relief when I turned 40 and I was still winning.
1: Yeah. You know, I think I
2: think yeah. like if I think that, let me just think, when I when I turned 40, that would have been 2013. So I turned 40, 2014, I won four 70.3s that year.
1: <laughs> so
2: it, it was like, I think that that year was like, a, I, it was almost like I, I finally, 2013 was a tough season. And then 2014, I, I turned 40, I started coaching myself, and I started winning again. And then and it was sort yeah. of like, it was almost like a relief to just get all that over with, to get over myself. Potentially a lot of it, and yeah. uh, just get on with it. You know, and then a lot of this stuff is just, it's all in your head, really. So it's not society's fault. I let myself think that way. Mm, right. And yeah. so, so I, I just, I'm just trying to do my best to help spread the message to women that this is happening, but it's not, it's not rational, it's yeah. not, it's, it, it's not logical. And it's not factual. So so you basically, like, if you just remove all that stuff and then you sort of get to the bottom of it, which, okay, this is all in my head. Why is it there? How can I get it out of my head? Then then all of a sudden you can just kind of get on with, like, doing things that make you happy, not stressing about things that, I mean, you're not going to make any, it doesn't, there's nothing you can do about it. You're getting a year older. You've been on the earth that much longer. But essentially that's all that number means. How long have you been on the earth? And then yeah, everybody's yeah. experience with what that means in terms of what does this time on earth mean to the performance of my body in an endurance context, that's yeah. all very individual. And so certainly like not everybody is going to have the same experience with training at 47 that I do, but um, sure. y- you don't have to like decide what your experience is going to be based on what somebody else is telling you.
0: Absolutely. And I think, um, and just listening to you now, because I would never have guessed that you, just just from looking at your career, let's just say in the last 10 years, I would never have guessed that you hit 39 and started to feel a bit worried because just looking at re- results, you would never know that. Um, but I feel like from a from a media platform point of view, it's even more important for us to make sure that we're highlighting women of all ages, but while we're talking about women over forty, for example, to showcase that anything that society might be suggesting is not fact. Like you say, mm-hmm. it's what mm-hmm. it's you 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 as an individual. Um, and there's, I mean, particularly in the women's field, there um, uh, are plenty of women over the age of forty who are still kicking ass.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
2: and I think that some of this comes from the fact that there's a lot more male coaches than there are female coaches. And I, sure. I will, I, I will say that I think the male experience is different from the female experience in this regard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah. I, I also was listening to male coaches tell me that I wasn't going to be able to train as hard that I needed to rest more that I wasn't going to be able to hit the same intensity, or like all of these things that are not true for female athletes, full stop, right? Mm-hmm. It's, It's, probably true for male athletes that are experiencing a massive decline in testosterone that is changing a lot of things in their body pretty rapidly and affecting those, those factors. Whereas I think for women um, I can't speak to like the changes that happen with menopause. I have a friend Mm -hmm. who's um, who's in her early fifties, who's, who's experiencing some of that stuff and sharing it with me now that that's, that's something that I'm, I'm doing a course on right now to understand a bit better so I think women of
0: course you are of course you are
1: (laughs) I love it
2: (laughs) so certainly for women like when you get past 50 and you start to get towards menopause then we're talking about some of these changes that I think male coaches were describing to women in their 40s that actually are probably appropriate for men in their 40s Mm. but not until women are in their 50s do they start to potentially experience some of those things so um, so, yeah, so a lot of it becomes just the the dogma that is like presented to you from coaches that, you know, their experience is probably not with women in their 40s. Mm-hmm.
1: And so we have
2: um, a lot of women like Shalane Flanagan and like I, I just look to a lot of the marathoners, right? Like the marathoners yep. are just absolutely destroying it right now in their 40s. And that is just something that's a that's a model for. Mm-hmm. Female Ironman athletes because that that sport is way faster than Ironman, mm-hmm. like a way harder effort. It's um, it's way more impact. Um, so if these women can can tolerate that volume of running, that's probably the equivalent of the 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 volume of Ironman specific training, and and they're excelling at an elite level into their mid forties, like Olympic level. And so, yeah, I I just like any professional athlete that comes to me for coaching or even just for mentorship or for advice. I'm just like that there, if you haven't maximized your potential with elite coaching, that was exactly right for you. Like, I think everybody knows when they're like, wow, that was like just an awesome thing. And I I've achieved pretty much everything I could even imagine. Right. Some people I get that, you know, they've gone to the Olympics. They like, they like have, I don't know, they just they, like, you You kind of know if you've reached your ceiling. But most yeah. people feel like something happened, or it never quite clicked, or they never quite got there, or they've never figured out this, especially in triathlon, right? It's so many moving parts, it's really yeah. hard to get it all right at once. Yeah. And, and so for those people, I just say, you know, if you haven't, if you haven't done it yet, you, you still have time. Like, there's lots of time mm. to figure that out, and and all you're doing along the way is learning what does and doesn't work, and you should pursue that.
0: Yeah. Do you um and obviously you're female, you're a female coach as well as an as an athlete. Do you think that it's important to have um more more female coaches who I guess can not only address these issues but. I guess as being women experience I don't want to say issues because it's just it is you know it's part of being a woman there's women are different to to men but how we don't see as many female coaches as we do male coaches so how important is it to get more female coaches involved in our sport so that these things become um the information is more readily available and more spoken about so it just sort of becomes the norm as opposed to do do you know what I'm trying to say Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: well I just think
0: I
2: think that um first off we have to just change the fact that like I think that female coaches are as qualified and as smart and as capable and like as elite and as confident and all these things that that you know too often with coaching it's like oh you want a female coach because she has this one partial segmented like tiny thing about her that makes her somewhat okay but you then you could have this male coach that is like so much better in all these other areas right mm. female coaches are are not second to male coaches in any way it's just there's just like in any sort of profession um, they're always discounted, mm. you know, like very often that whether it's like, um, a male coach just sort of, um, can choose from a variety of other male coaches to give the assistant position. They just feel like more confident working with another guy. So then they give the job to that guy. Like most, what, what I see most of the time at a very high level in elite women coaching, whether it's triathlon or anything, is that for that woman to get like a head coach position, she has to be beyond exceptional. Mm. Like she has to be an Olympian, a world champion, um, uh, a Rhodes Scholar, uh, you know, she has to own a business and be a CEO. And (laughs) then she can finally like potentially get the job as assistant coach over this guy who just came out of college. Like that's a really harsh thing to say. But if you think of the elite women coaches that you can name, and yeah. you talk about their resume. All of them have not only been exceptional coaches; they've also been exceptional athletes. Yeah. You can't say the same for male coaches. Male coaches can be a male coach and then be an average. Never heard of them, dude.
1: Right. So, women yeah.
2: generally don't get that benefit of the doubt. Um, and 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 so th- I think that you know I think it's just something that um, we. As female coaches need to first off, like support each other, not mm-hmm. against each other, you know, mm-hmm. and say, oh, like, like, because very often, uh, just like in in anything, like there, there's the, the environment of only one of us can have it. So therefore, we're at odds, right? And yep. uh, instead, it's better to like, lift everybody up and, and just do, go out of your, I kind of just want to go out of my way to like, support other female coaches, just because they're female. Right? Like I'm just gonna be like, yeah, there's coach and maybe just do everything I can to like create visibility and talk about and be friends with and whatever. Female yeah. coaches. Let's lift everybody up. And yeah. then once you lift everybody up, um, I think that there's just more visibility in general and they get more opportunities to work with people and to get better.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
2: don't know, I think I think if we support each other then eventually things will change where there's more opportunities for everybody yeah um, but i I think in general like uh there's excellent female coaches that sometimes just don't get the the same opportunity or or the same benefit of the doubt to like you know be be part of the discussion and um yes. I'm just hoping that if we all help each other, then that'll change <laughs> so
0: yeah I think you're right and and one of the key words i think is the is the opportunities uh and the more women we get involved. It, and let's talking about triathlon specifically um the more women we get involved at different levels so athletes coaches administration um everything it just becomes a more welcoming environment for more women on any level to get involved in the sport as well it's um and we can only do that by supporting each other
2: yeah and and i think just you know on a global and in a bigger picture there's more and more women in really like important positions of authority that are just demonstrating how uh, astonishingly capable they are. Like Jacinda yeah. Ardern is like w- my perfect example of everything, you know, that yeah. she is just kicking ass and everything she does. Um, Angela Merkel has been like a hero of mine forever. She's like an astrophysicist or some kind yeah. of like doctorate of the super nerdiest. And here she is, like, you know, basically holding down world peace at the moment. So yeah, you know, we just, we have, we have models to show that women are incredibly capable in these Mm. positions that are not, not generally like, afforded to them. And so Mm. I I just have hope that this is going to change and like, our coaching world, and even our athlete world, like I I want women athletes to be recognized for being like amazing women athletes, not just cute athletes that look good in the brands, you know, because we have, we have amazing athletes that are also really cute. And that's like, you know, messing with the problem. Like all these women are also beautiful. So we're getting confused here, but really it's their athletes.
1: So, um,
2: so there's that, right? Like just having women be um, appreciated for competence and Mm. what they're capable of doing. And and I think that's what I'd like to see in our future is that women are admired for competence um, above all, yeah. You know, and and just have that capability be be transferred. And so then, you know, then there's no question. Of course, I would have a woman. Like it wouldn't be I have a male or a, a female coach. It's like this is the right
0: coach for coach me. Coach couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. So, yeah, and
2: I, and I appreciate that not everyone fits with my philosophy or fits in my group and so that's cool like I can't coach everybody and so I don't yeah. it, I, I don't think that I'm the perfect coach for everybody but I don't, I don't think it's like male or female it's coach like I have male right. and female athletes in my group it's it's not that I just coach female athletes because that's the only thing I could co- possibly comprehend
0: yeah
2: <laughs> right <laughs> right so so that's oh, i i think gosh. that's me getting my back up about oh women can only coach women well no 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 that's not like coaches coach athletes and it's yeah. a relationship there so just that and that relationship it like comes from a place of competence but also chemistry like some athletes sure. don't like how blunt i am they don't want to be around my truth bombs right so yeah there's that
0: yeah, and that's kind of yeah. That's where I was tr- uh, I was trying to go with the question along more female coaches. Um, it's certainly not because all, yeah, all women need uh, women coaches. And I need. Can I just say I'm still learning about the correct terminology in terms of um, using men, women, male, female, and then non-binary. So for oh, yeah. anyone who's listening, if I am offending you, it's not. Intentionally, it's just that I'm still learning and wrapping my head around what I should and you know the, the different terminology that I should be using. So I, I do just want to say that that I'm sorry if I'm getting it wrong, um, but I am trying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think that's I, I feel like um, that's actually a common misconception when I or we say stuff like we we need more women involved in a coaching point of view. Um, it's not that they necessarily understand women because they are women. It's that they have a whoever that person is, but they need to be given the opportunity to get in there and then work with other coaches as well. Because all of the textbooks, all of the, you know, for for the history of the sport, as you know, it's all been written by men. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the the direction of coaching when we are educating coaches, it's all been sort of based around men and people like. Katie Gray and Stacy Sims uh, are two women within the industry who highlight that as a very important issue when it comes to, I guess, texts and um, education uh, in the coaching world in endurance sport, not just triathlon.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that, like, coaching is is like learning to become a good coach is a combination of, you know, education and experience and, and certainly Mm. like living your life as a woman and a woman athlete gives you an experience that is unique to somebody who grows up as, you know, a male athlete. And, and again, I, I'm also with you in in the, you know, there's a gray area here. I'm just going to talk about like, you know, what the sex that I was born with and just talk in terms of like the science side of it. Um, and, and so I think that some people look to their coach to have, to have some of that experience and feel that that like learned experience is valuable. You know, I want to talk to you. So, so particularly when I work with like professional female athletes, um, living your life as a professional female athlete and navigating, the the field um you know national sport organizations um you know like other like just sort of sponsorship all of that stuff it's there is like a common ground there that that you know a female coach can you know give you advice and i don't know contacts i like there's just there's just like a lot of learned experience that is is different Mm -hmm. from from like a male um but then also there's there's also the um, the flip side of that is that um, you know sometimes when when I work with male athletes, having a female coach, maybe it's easier for them sometimes to talk about moments of weakness with a female coach, which sure. they may have a, a tougher time having that conversation with a male coach. so again, it's not right or wrong or better or worse. it's just for some athletes these mm. things make a difference and and that's why I think there's room. And value in having this as an option so that more people can find the right fit because it is different and and special and unique and great to have a female coach and it's also like special and great and and effective to have a a male coach that you bond with and you really like and is getting the best out of you
0: amen or a women (laughs) <laughs> yeah Exactly. <laughs> um that went on a great tangent. Thank you very much. I enjoyed that part uh, <laughs> thoroughly. But I want to I actually want to learn a little bit more about you and I did say that's what that's what typically the podcast is about and obviously coaching is a massive part of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um but actually before we keep going, I find it so hard to refer to you as Mel McQuaid because it, you just it's Mel Rad. Like in my head, I just, I just always think that your last name is Rad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's awesome. My my marketing has been effective.
0: <laughs> it has been. It has been. I love it. And, and and speaking of your own marketing, you so you know, I was scrolling through the website and looking looking up a few things before we had our chat. And you've been it's like I think you're almost a little bit ahead of your time in terms of what you've been trying to achieve and the information you've been putting out there on the interwebs for years and years and years now. Like you've been writing a blog since the dawn of blogs, mm-hmm. I think.
2: I and, think I had I think I had the first like amateur blog ever. Like my it's it's mostly because my brother is a wizard, but I'm pretty sure nobody uh, in mountain bike racing had a blog before me.
0: See, there you go. Nobody. And, and, So I'm interested to know, did you see that as a marketing tool or was it you just had so much to give back to the sport that you just wanted to share your stories? Like what was it, you know, because these days people are very, uh, you know, I, I need a website, I need social media because it's all about, you know, getting sponsors or what have you. But you were so ahead of all of that. What was it that initially drove you to start all that up?
2: Well, I I think there's a couple of things. One was that it is definitely the storytelling. Like I really enjoy writing, um, like trying to be funny. And I wrote these like, like like real stream of consciousness type reports from like you can, you can kind of way back machine, um, my 1997 Racer Girl website. And, um, it would be like, it would just be like one run on sentence of I crashed here and it was muddy. And then you know I couldn't find anything to eat and like, whatever, like whatever the stories were, they were just, like just sharing like what that experience was. Like I think that was before, like kids, this was before like everything, Facebook, yeah. you, you couldn't communicate your lived experience at all. And so that so I definitely took to that pretty early and having this, you know, blog where I had to like, I don't even know. I think that to, for me to even send an email, I think I had to like put a wire into a random wall in Europe. So I don't think that that log <laughs> got updated very often because uh, uh. I don't even know how. Like back in the day when I raced the World Cup, like it was a time where you were actually disconnected from your family, right? Because it would cost a lot yeah. of money to
1: call home. There's no
2: yeah. FaceTime. There's no like no Facebook. There's no, none of that. So we would go off to Europe for a month and basically maybe call someone once the whole time. So, so certainly that sharing what was happening idea, I think was a big part of like wanting to have a blog and also just recognizing that this was the future. Like, I think that Mm. there's been a couple of things that I feel like I, I I don't have substantial evidence to prove this, but like, (laughs) I I know that I had a website probably before everybody.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And then, um with that website i tried to create a foundation so like with with i was trying to get a foundation so that i could put more money into girls and like getting into sport because when i was trying to become a mountain biker and before i got a team there really was no support for it and so i thought that i would try to do that now i i abandoned that because there's big organizations with way more resources that do a way better job than some mountain bikers trying to race in europe so it, (laughs) it was part of like we should do this. And so I've, I've been pretty passionate about women in sport. And obviously it's biased because I'm a woman in sport. So there's that. <laughs> um, and then the second thing I did that I think is quite funny is that um, in 2000, in I think it was 2004, or 2005, I started an age group triathlon team. Now I don't think anybody else had an age group triathlon team before the Melrad team originated so like th- something that the you know wadi ink and the cupcakes that came along in like yeah. 2010 or something like that five yeah. years later um <laughs> yeah i i think i did that too and, and at, at the time it was the idea behind that was um number one i wanted to support some athletes that i was coaching so it gave me a way to like um i said i basically went to my sponsors and i said i'd like to help these people race i had two professional women on the team at that time They're, it was all exterra mm-hmm. mostly yeah. um and so i wanted to support them and i also but i sold it to them as hey you know what i can't be at all races all over the us all year like people I, like i won't be at this ra- the race in arkansas because it's not a professional level race why don't we choose athletes from all these different regions so that you have exposure that looks kind of like me little mini me's all over because we all wear the same kits yeah um and then we can you know expand our reach by by being this team and so mm-hmm. So we did that and, and that was the original Melrad Racing team was that. And, and I, I can thank uh, Avia. Avia did a really great job in helping me roll that program out. There's a lot of sponsors at the time, but um, they yeah. really like took the ball and ran with it back then. And anyways, yeah, so there, there's that too. I think I was, I was first past the post in that one as well.
0: Oh, you're a bit of a pioneer, aren't you?
2: <laughs> but then of course, like, I think that we have much more competent people that are better at the marketing side and all the rest of it than me that actually took the ball and ran a lot further <laughs> than I did. So, um, my hat's off, like both, both, um, both those other programs like Wadi and the Cupcakes are much like are really great programs that I think are awesome and they're doing a great job. And I, yeah. like, I, I just was not as good at it as they are. So, um, but I, I still think it's a good idea.
0: Oh, wow. It's so interesting. Um, so, and, and that's, it's funny, like scrolling through, like I said, scrolling through your website and just, um, you know, just doing a little bit of more research. Um, it's very evident that you've been doing those kind of things well before it was picked up um, by the rest of the world. So what I'm going to be doing from here on in is just watching you closely. And as soon as I see you do something <laughs> new, I am stealing that idea and running with it.
1: Please do. Please
0: do. <laughs> um, during our chat, there's a couple of things that keep coming up, and one is that uh, you're talking about when you're speaking with athletes, you're, you're quite direct, blunt, um, but also the overwhelming um, uh, attribute that I that I keep hearing is passion from you. So I want to go back to, you know, growing up. Where where do you think? the that passion um and being so direct with people where where do you think that comes from and have you always been that way
2: um yeah I I think that uh I, I I just don't have the I don't know what I I don't know why I'm like that I am I think that uh certainly I'm not good at um I don't know how to put this. Like you know how sometimes people will will always soften their delivery and and are very yes. I don't You know don't? I I don't know how me. to describe it. Yeah, I, I like I, I I don't I don't know if this is the right way to say things, but I'm like a guy girl. I talk to other girls like a guy would talk to a girl most of the time, (laughs) right? And so, and, and so that tends to attract other women who communicate the same way. Um, and it's because I don't, I don't have that, like, although I have a lot of empathy inside me, I'm, I'm not as, as like as patient. And, um, I think it's a a lack of patience, like real, you know, patience to be so, Soft with st- I'm just not that that soft delivery just is not really part of my personality. I don't know what happened to me like when well, I was dropped as a baby and so therefore now <laughs> I just like I just kind of like say what's in my head. But um and I, I think as I get older I I and and certainly like my partner Mike has been really great about this is that I just feel that the the best policy is always like a hundred percent naked honesty and um and and that is refreshing and abrupt. And so, um, yeah. it, and I, I, I just think that sometimes like it gets me into trouble by, by being so abrupt when sometimes I should just say nothing or like soften it up or whatever. But that, um, that just has, has been working for me. And um, yeah, I, I think that that is, yeah, I, I don't know it's it, it, it's weird like I I I think that part of it is because I didn't have like my my mom was I'm not as, I'm not close with my mother at all and so I don't have a lot of motheriness I I, I don't know what that is mother tendencies I'm not <laughs> except for with my little dog but like I for people I I don't have those real mothering skills you know that 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 soft nurturing like you know how you talk to kids and you're super patient and you like soften all everything that you're saying like I would just basically be like no shut up <laughs> <laughs> and, you know I don't have all that stuff that between a mom and me all those right. words that kind of and so I that just is me as a as a human now I just didn't get any of that part and so um I, that, I think that's my best description is that I'm, I'm not very mothering. <laughs> 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 and I have like a, like another way to describe me is all of my Christmas decoration, decorations fit into a really small Tupperware tote, right? You know, where oh. it's like, you know how some moms, they have like an entire room of the house that fits the Christmasing, and then another one for the Halloween, and then another one for another holiday. Like they, they can basically turn the whole house into another house for a holiday. They have like 17 recipes for 100 things at Christmas time. And all of that, like no, it's just not, not going to happen. No, I don't. I don't have any of that stuff. So um, we all have our strengths. Mine, <laughs> I'm. I'm not. A, I'm not a super mom. So that's. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that's where it starts.
0: Okay, couple couple of things um, to what you just said. The whole mothering thing, um, I. I'd like to think that I'm, you know, a, a patient mother who sits down and talks things through with Frankie, my two-year-old. It doesn't happen. <laughs> now, I told her to shut up yesterday because she was just whinging for no reason. But in her head, she was, there was reasons why she was whinging. I wouldn't let her watch Shaun the Sheep on TV because she'd already watched <laughs> half an hour, you know, earlier that day. But in her head, that's her entire world crumbling. So, <laughs> but I just didn't have the patience to deal with the whinging um so can guarantee that not all mothering is like a um uh what are the tv shows like you know those midday movies where the mother's the perfect mother and the picket fence yeah yeah yeah, that's not reality well and Uh, and certainly i don't
2: i don't think that that's a requirement for being a good mom but i'm just describing different kinds of moms and and certainly There's also, um, I have a friend here who had a baby and and I was like, okay, are you going to quit your job? And, and like, like, so I was like, I I said to her, it could go either way. Like, she's like, I don't even know. I want to go back to work. I don't know if I want to do this mom thing. I'm like, well, you're going to have a baby now. So you better have the baby. (laughs) Um, And then, and then after she's like, oh, I love my kid. I love my time with my kid, but I want to go back to work. Yeah. Right and and i respect that you know you can be a great mom and a great great role model and in their family it totally works like she's like a super mom when she's home she's a superstar at work her husband would rather be at home like he likes being with their with um with their daughter and he's an awesome dad and they do all sorts of like so so her kid gets to grow up doing dad stuff and everybody knows that dad stuff is awesome right like she's gonna learn how to fix a cabinet and chop wood when she's like four and that is excellent she's gonna be like a outdoors maniac by the time she's seven and that is great right so we're 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 building an army of like outdoorsy females with all these dads at home or or not or like artists or whatever
1: yeah yeah Um, yeah
2: so so but yeah i do think that there are different um personality types and uh, like anybody who's Lived on the Earth knows that's what I'm talking about. You know, there's like people like me who are like you know, like like me, and then there's people who are much more sort of. I I think the word is diplomatic or soft or like. I'm I'm struggling for what the word is. That um,
0: yeah, I I don't know what it is either because um, it's I I sort of sway between the both. Um, I, I hate conflict, which seems like that's a bit of a contradiction because. You know, I mean I'm in the world of um trying to build uh women's sport and a platform which is you're gonna hit conflict or every step of the way there's yeah. conflict. Um but I guess I get super passionate and blunt about about those things that I am really passionate about. Everything else though, like I, I tiptoe around things because I don't want to upset people and I need to get a bit more of your radness uh to just <laughs> Cause I don't have time to tiptoe and pussyfoot around. Is that pussyfoot? Like, is that even? Yeah. See, I don't yeah. even know if that's the right term. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I wish I was a bit more like a bit bit more like you. So, like, I love listening to people who have the the courage to just say what they mean. And it doesn't mean that they're. Like, I would never have said that you're a rude person or an abrupt person. I love that about you um so by no means is it any kind of negative um comment about who who you are whatsoever I, like I rate that I think it's unreal I wish there was more of that in me for sure
2: well I, I guess it, you have to take that part of it and then add it to the impulsiveness of my responses sometimes that <laughs> that's where I get into the most trouble but, oh, but yeah goodness. And I think that that's also just, I I think all the ladies out there that are in their forties, just understand that as soon as you turn 40, you just have a lot less things that you, you know, give a fuck about. You just let stuff go. And, um, and that is, and that's an empowering place to be. I don't know why it happens in your forties, but I can, it's like the enzyme. That is the enzyme that's released when you turn 40. You will no longer give a fuck about all these dumb things that you thought about in your (laughs) thirties and twenties. And it's, it's liberating. It's just, oh, you know, you just mag- not <laughs>
1: It's
0: the zero fucks given, uh, enzyme hormone, yes, whatever you want to yes. call it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you said that you weren't so close with your mom, but were you close with your dad growing up?
2: Yeah, I think I like, I'm still, I'm still close with my dad and I think we, we have a lot of things in common just personality wise. And unfortunately, um, I think my mom struggles with alcohol abuse and um,
1: Uh, it's, I
2: I mean, I think that in in that way we might have similar personalities and that I'm very intense and potentially addictive. It's just, I managed to steer mine in much more constructive ways. Um, And unfortunately it just, it got to the point where I like that relationship just couldn't, it just, it's just not functional. And so it's really sad for me to not have a, a relationship with her, but she's just, not capable of it, and and she was a a really young mom too, so um that's I, probably part of it. I think she just never pulled herself out of um you know depression and regret about what she I don't know just having kids maybe right. I I don't know so yeah so that I I, I think that I had a i had a, a decent relationship with my mom until I was about thirteen, so it's not like I, I had a great childhood and whatever. But as soon as I got like turned got a bit older it was it was terrible and then by the time i was 30 it was just
0: done right oh that's so sad i'm sorry to hear that but it sounds like you you've um dealt or coped with it um oh yeah oh yeah it's yeah. not, it's not I, i'm
2: not i definitely don't need i don't need sympathy i i, I like it's it's just yeah. it is what it is basically yeah. and and it's something that um i think other people can relate to i think that um, Uh, alcohol can be a a terrible thing in families and I just you know I just think that sometimes you know if 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 somebody if you just can't help somebody you can't help somebody yeah sadly
0: so oh it's um and it's part of I guess growing up and becoming an adult as well I say becoming an adult I'm (laughs) 39 I should probably become an adult pretty soon um and I have a a year.
1: give it a year (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah exactly I'm waiting for that uh zero fox given uh, yeah the enzyme to get released <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's um it, it's it's a really i find it a really tough lesson um like my my brother probably falls into a similar category to your mum and my relationship with him um and for years, I tried to help and Work with him, and it just it just kept dragging me down and the rest of the family down. It just got to a point where I'm like, well, what? How far do we have to go down a hole to help someone who doesn't want to take steps themselves? And at the, you know, you you got to look after your own life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's
2: it. Yeah, and I, I think that once you put in a certain number of years, you know, years, yes, years, years, we're years, talking. Years, yeah, it's not like it's not like somebody is like like screwed up for a weekend. Right. That's, different. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and, and I just think that until you've lived the exact experience that a person has with a person mm-hmm. with substance use, uh, you cannot judge what, mm-hmm. what, what they, their choices. And I, I don't think there are any wrong choices. I think that people can go ahead and judge me and say, Oh, you should have been there. Or I'm sure that like there are people in her family that maybe think that um, we gave up too soon or whatever. And, and, and that's okay. Like they can, think what they want but um mm. it's at a certain point you just you, you have to just do what's right for you it's not like I I, I try to reach out to her but it's just yeah. it's not possible to have a real relationship with somebody who drinks alcohol to excess every single day it's
1: impossible
0: yeah yeah do you, what's your relationship like with alcohol does it scare you away from it or
2: um I don't know I like I definitely don't have a problem with alcohol because I can't yeah. train <laughs> and i think the other thing too is that i used to be able to drink a lot more wine when i was in my 20s and 30s and now i find that i get really sick like like i feel really terrible off of very little so i don't drink very much at all even though i absolutely love wine and i used to have a wine cellar and all this stuff but yeah um so i i think that um i i don't think i've ever worried that i would become an alcoholic i i'm a really like like sort of like a controlling person and so i like even stuff like smoking marijuana i smoked pot in high school and um i didn't like that that lack of control right Right. like i felt like you know just being out of it and not in control of my body was a really uncomfortable place for me to be and so the whole idea that i would like choose an escape with alcohol or or drugs is actually not that's not part of my personality I, i don't have that desire to be Wasted all the time. That, that yeah. in fact, being drunk is an uncomfortable feeling for me. I, I don't like. i Certainly, I'm like, oh, this bottle of wine is awesome. Let's just continue, right? This tastes so good. And then you know, I'm yeah. pretty drunk, and okay, it's time to go to bed, <laughs> yeah. right? But I, I don't drink to get drunk, and I don't like the feeling of being drunk. Yeah. Um. But I would say that one of the things that probably, you know, you just look at if you kind of like look at your history and 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 how it affects you. I think certainly not being able to help her has affected me and, and mm. where my passion is for helping women, especially women who have had kids that maybe want a second chance at their athletic career. I, I think I really can see that desire to have a self and an identity and an accomplishment after having kids. So so mm. I totally see that demographic being like I just get so much back from making a difference for these women. Um so certainly like not being able to help my mom, maybe that makes me want to work with women more.
1: Um, Interesting.
2: I, I think that that could be there. Um, and then also, you know, I didn't have kids and I, I never did want to have kids, right? And mm-hmm. and I actually had a coach when I was a mountain biker who told me that I was like, like, I, I don't know what, the, he was Russian. So I don't know what word he used, but it was like deformed or like defective or whatever. Like d- that, that the fact I didn't want to get married and have kids yeah. Made me like like defective goods. There's something wrong with me.
1: Oh my right?
2: god! <laughs> yeah, he is he is a piece of work. So, but yeah. anyway, so like I know that you, you know it's a learned experience. You know, so so if if my mom had like if my family was more like my partner Mike's family, like he his mom has become my de facto mom because she's a guy girl. It's hilarious. She had four boys. Of course, she is. Right? Uh, like
1: she grew yeah. up with all
2: these men everywhere. And, um, and her and I just get along so great. And like, she's my, she's my, like, you know, she's my, you know, mother-in-law, but she's just like my mom. I I learn a lot from her and, and just, um, I just find that how she handles like family issues, like I'm learning about family from her, you know, I just think so. So certainly like you, you, you learn a lot from your mom and, -hmm. and and with my mom, I learned to not want to have kids. (laughs) 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 so. So. There's that, right? Um, so oh, I, I think that that's yeah. another thing, you know, like, if you, if you, I, I learned that I don't want to have kids, and that it's really, like, if I can't make a difference for her, I'm going to try and make a difference for as many women as I can. And, and I just really do love, like, I love it when um, women come to me, and they're really, uh, self conscious about their goals, like they 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 don't feel like they should have this ambition, or they they just mm. feel self conscious about wanting to do just to have these bold ideas of who they could be. That is like some distance away from where they are, and I just love uncovering that like confidence and that fierceness in somebody who's mm. kind of like suppressed that for a while. I, I just love like just giving women their their independence and confidence and own self back Mm. because that's what sport does right like sport is so empowering and builds a crazy amount of confidence i just love bringing that to women and that's why i just really love the whole idea of
1: coaching it's it's yeah it's so awesome yeah it's really cool
0: it's so um so everything that you're saying i'm just here nodding my head yes absolutely agree and it's everything that i know i know that sport's empowering i know that it gives us so it gives back to each person so much more than what we could ever you know more than just you know going out and kicking a ball and riding a bike it like it just gives us so much Mm -hmm. um and I I like to think I'm a pretty strong independent um you know woman I've you know i run with up, I you know I've I've done all this stuff
2: you're a badass Um,
0: stuff oh thank you that's what I was waiting for you to tell me I've just been sitting here waiting no but I, you know, I recognize all of that. Um, but right, right now, and it may just be the world that we're living in right now, but since having Frankie, um, I just, I, I, I understand what people say when they talk about mum guilt, you know, because I, I never really knew what that was. Like I just, I, I, I've always known that you need to look after yourself before you can look after other people in, you know, your family, you need to be, healthy and strong. Otherwise you cannot be your best version of yourself for the rest of your family. But I'm really struggling to connect that at the moment. Um, And it's so nice just speaking to you about it because it, it just reminds me that it's so important for me to uh, once again, find out who I am, so that I can be the best mom, the best wife, the best friend that I possibly can be. Because I just I've lost. I've I feel a bit dis- disconnected from that at the moment.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, well, I think that you naturally have this real protective instinct that you want to do everything that is the best for Frankie. Totally, but you're fighting, but you're fighting, worrying about how other people will judge how you, you know, execute that. Right. And so, so a lot of the mom guilt is like worrying what other people are going to think. Right. Because you know, you're going to do the right thing. You you, you know, can. you're doing a great job. Right. So, so then it, it the, the whole point of mom guilt is to get that enzyme rolling where you just don't give a fuck about what other people think about how you're, how you're raising your kid and the choices that you're making on her behalf and know that you are always going to have her best interests in mind. And, and what you think is right for her is what you think. And that's what matters. You're her mom and yeah. you're going to, you you have the whole picture and people have a snippet. So just yeah. have to be unafraid of the constant judgment that is rained upon women every day and just be confident that, you know, I'm a kick-ass mom. I, I need to have this other stuff in my life because that's the kick-ass mom. I want, uh. To be modeling for her oh, i yeah. want to be all of these things and you can be all of these things like it's it's just all that most of the time this anxiety is caused by fear of judgment or other mm. people's opinions and and they just really don't matter and and that's where i mean unless you have somebody that you like is a mentor or somebody that you, whose opinion you respect if that person is saying to you Hey, you know, maybe you should go in this other direction. You know, that's different than yeah,
1: that's yeah, yeah.
2: something, right? Just
1: yeah. the general
2: like armchair critics, their, their input is not valuable. And, and you, and what happens is we have this negativity bias and to our personalities and just to our experience where somebody could tell us like a hundred things that are positive about ourselves and they say the uh. one thing, right? So like, likes basically, Oh Steph, you're an awesome businesswoman. You're a great athlete. You look great. You cook great. You you have all these things going on. I really don't like your haircut.
1: <laughs> I don't want the yes. only
2: thing of that whole list that you're you're gonna go home, you're gonna look in the mirror, you're gonna wash your hair, you're gonna straighten it, you're gonna try different curls. You're gonna none of those other things matter because yeah. oh no, she doesn't like my haircut, right? You just focus on the negative stuff all the time, and and we're all guilty of that. Um, mm. And then the problem with social media and all these people that don't know you that want to rain judgment upon you is is they're generally not them going out of their way to give you a compliment.
0: Yeah, true. So true. This is why I like having these discussions because even though I know this stuff, I preach this stuff. But then in practice, I'm like, oh, I keep, I keep forgetting mm-hmm. it. So it's so important to, and I'm just, not just talking about me, but it's so important for our platform to continue to have these conversations with amazing people like yourself. That's why I love what? it. That's what a coach is for. Yeah, a is
2: that's a whole. A coach is basically there to help you, like, like weed through all the mm. like the stuff, right? that's yeah. the, that's that's what a coach's job is is basically to keep you, you know focusing your energy on,
1: on where it belongs.
0: Yeah. All right, coach, you've pumped me up. I'm actually going to go for a run <laughs> after this. Um, and Atta I am <laughs> so unfit and have a few extra COVID kgs, but <laughs> I'm pumped up and I'm going to tackle a run after I get off this call. But before we go, I've got a couple of questions that we ask everyone at the end of the episode. Have you got a few more minutes up your sleeve? Oh, for sure. Awesome. Okay. What are you currently obsessed with? Um, what am I
1: currently obsessed with?
0: Uh, like in what regard? Anything. Anything? Try, try not to make it career-based.
2: Okay. Okay, right now <laughs> I'm obsessed with reorganizing my garage. So as, <laughs> as far as like guy girls go, I'm obsessed with like garage cabinets. And slat wall and like metal shelves
1: and like love it.
2: like rubber made bins. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. I'm gonna have like a garage like a NASCAR driver when I'm done.
0: Oh my gosh, that sounds perfection. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like our house as well. Brett Brett does the the cooking, the cleaning, the all of that kind of stuff. And I'm outside building a cubby house for Frankie. That's how our but, house runs.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs>
0: uh okay final question who is your favorite famous mel oh, oh.
1: <laughs>
0: typically it's the first one that pops into your head well you know what i'm just gonna get,
2: i'm gonna send it out to mel hauschild because she's the first one that came to mind so i uh, obviously i admire her because she's an awesome athlete she's the first mel that came to my to mind and she's famous for being like a kick-ass athlete and really fast so way to
0: go oh. mel <laughs> shout out to mel who's <laughs> also a mum now so big shout oh, out no to mel. Way. that's awesome yeah look forward to seeing her return to the racetrack when racing uh returns in general
2: no
0: doubt no doubt <laughs> um mel rad that because that's what i'm actually going to call you uh <laughs> Thank you so much. It was so much fun catching up with you. Like I said at the very beginning, I feel like you like this um, uh, comfort blanket. Like I feel like I only spoke to you the other day, but it's been a long time since we've actually spoken to each other. But, I, yeah, it feels very natural and normal just catching up and shooting the shit.
2: <laughs> uh, thank you. I, I'll take that as an extreme compliment. And it's, I mean, I just think it's excellent, What. What you're, you're doing and what your mission statement is. And, and certainly I think that, um, just women in general, uh, professional women athletes in particular, and, you know, all the women that, that want to see them succeed just have a, have, owe you a debt of gratitude for, um, taking up the torch in this regard. And it's just really cool to see you, see you having success with this. And, uh, that's all. I, I just want you to be like, the the Jeff Bezos of media in the future because that would be so awesome.
0: (laughs) All right, we'll see what we can do. (laughs) Nell, thank you so much for your time and uh, let's try and catch up again soon.
1: Sounds good.
0: Thanks for tuning in. Hit subscribe, give us a rating, leave a comment, and don't forget, if you're not already a Wits Up Patreon member, sign up in the link in the description. But above all else, keep yourselves knee deep in awesomeness.